Destroy All Children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or riding your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy All Children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Destroy All Children. I am Larry Davis. Once again with me is George Brundle. I am George Brundle. Hi, this one. Uh, this episode is being recorded in advance because I don't know what kind of shape I'm going to be in to be uh, recording things in the future, so just know this is banked ahead of time. Uh, no real news. The most recent news would be um, DC stopping distribution with Diamond, but that's going to be way out of date by the time this goes up, so whatever. This is oh, a good yeah. time to talk about a certain genre of video game, which some people call Metroidvania, which is a really uh. bad name. Um, yeah, it is. I prefer Pathfinder. Yeah. That makes more sense That's to me. Good name. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, first of all, the Castlevania games were just aping Metroid. So that yes. doesn't really make any sense. Uh, also, for me, the main thing that would qualify as a Metroidvania would be having equipment and an inventory, which a lot of them do not. Yeah. So it's not uh, really accurate them, across the board. Yeah, most of them still try to make some sort of use of the different like power up items from the original Castlevanias in some way. So it doesn't have like as traditional of a equipment upgrade system like Metroid does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh but yes, I like your name for it more. I've heard you call it that in the past, and then I can never seem to commit it to memory, and so I always end up falling back on Metroidvania, because that is the word people know, even I though I also think it is gross. I didn't invent it. I don't remember who it is that said it. It was somebody, um, I think on one of the Giant Bomb E3 shows mentioned it once. Oh, that would make sense. Uh, it, so it was a developer of some game, but again, I also don't remember what game it was, but... It might have been someone talking about Axiom Verge, maybe? It that doesn't matter. about right to me. Yeah. Uh, even then, I think Metroid isn't the game that like laid the foundation for that either, isn't it? Like, I, I want to say that there was stuff beforehand that kind of defined what a plat... Or not a platformer. Jeez, I'm sorry. A Pathfinder game is supposed to be. Uh, that was basically Metroid. I, I looked into the history of this not too long ago. And I want to say that there was other stuff, but that Metroid is a case of, you know, well, they refined it and they ended up kind of defining it by refining it. Well, sure. Uh, but if you go back far enough, like any genre goes back to yes. some weird, obscure thing on the Atari like 2600 Pong. or something. Yeah, Pong is a Pathfinder game. The, the ball is finding its path to the goal. Yeah. It has to go back and forth a lot, you see? Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yes, I, I wanted to say before we got too far from you mentioning that this is, uh, we've kind of banked this one. I think that's a good thing to bring up considering with the way that video game news has been with uh, a lot of companies saying they have something to announce and then pulling back on it. For all we know, by the time this goes out, the PlayStation 5 will already be out there. Uh, yeah, very possible. We'll see. Yeah. Um, 
In that case, yeah, considering... I, I don't know. In, in like a, a drug-induced uh, liquid diet <laughs> <What> haze, <laughs> we still might do something. Uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I... Man, that that would considering the way that this podcast has gone most of the time, where we bring something up just as an offhand remark, and then some shit related to it actually goes down. Now I just fully expect that, like two days from now, PlayStation Five, like at the very least, is going to completely leak. Probably, because yeah, I'm like things, it that presentation. Yeah, yeah, like that presentation's probably already done. I can't imagine that would have been an actual live thing. Yeah, yeah. Like for the record, this is being recorded on June eighth. So uh, by the time you hear this, it would be uh, two Thursdays from now. Whatever that would be. Yeah, so the eighteenth would be like what a a scant two days after we did the uh, Metal Gear Solid recording. Yep, that's right. Uh, but you know, gotta get these in while I can. So. Yeah. Uh, but that's good because anyway, you've been uh, sitting on these games that you've played that we haven't really had a chance oh, to I've, talk about. Yeah, I've been sitting on them. Uh, I so I I'm not retro a huge corner. Fan of, it's the entire yeah, this show is, this time, except for comics oh, corner a, coming up yeah, later. I was, I was say there's a pretty all right comics corner coming up at the end of this podcast, sure. but as usual, save, saving that for last. Um. Save the best for last, or rather, in some cases, save the thing that nobody wants to listen to for last. Uh-huh. Uh, which is us talking about comics. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, like, a, a really huge fan of Pathfinder games, or at least I didn't think of myself as being one initially. Uh, there's been podcasts and video recordings and stuff of us in the past where I've kind of said, like, I don't really like Metroid. I know that Metroid is not a game that I would be a fan of, even though I've not really sat down and played it. And then as part of going back and doing all these old games on this list, uh, I've I've played all those Metroid games now for the Nintendo and the SNES and the Game Boy Advance. Uh, I played Symphony of the Night. I'm through all of the GBA Castlevania games, and I think I'm coming around on the genre. Like, there's definitely been some low points in those games that I've played, but the high points have stuck with me in a way that I wasn't really anticipating. Mm -hmm. And we've already talked about Circle of the Moon, and if I remember right, I had a very middling opinion of that game, if not leaning on the sour side. Yeah. Uh, Harmony and Dissonance is a fucking banger, man. I really, really, really like this game. All right, cool. Now, on to the next one. (laughs) Arya Sara's whatever. <laughs> okay, Harmony of Dissonance. What, what do you like about it? Soma so, Cruz. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cave had a song about Soma Cruz, right? That's how that went. <laughs> yeah, Soma Cruz, Soma Cruz, Gian Zia, whatever it is. Castigana Seishizana Seishizu? It's something like that. Did you just put a hex on me, buddy? Yeah, I think so. Just cast a spell on this podcast? Yeah, the bright side, it means now I know what the outro music is. I don't need to <laughs> think about it. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, so like Circle of the Moon was uh, a very, very early Game Boy Advance game. I want to say it was like a launch title, at least damn near launch. And one of the problems that game had that I didn't really encounter because I was playing it on a big-ass 4K TV uh is that on a Game Boy Advance screen with no blacklight, like that original unit, you can't tell what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Like everything like, is really... I, I don't know the issue would even be, like, 
play it on a big TV is just like having a backlight helps a lot. Uh, oh, so yeah. That game was just super yes, dark. Uh, yeah, like really muddy and gray and just not using any real vibrancy in its color palette didn't help. And then also the the camera is like so pulled out in that game that like your character is, is very small on well, top that, of that. That I like. I like small characters. I like pulled out cameras. I like being able to see where I'm going. Yeah, but like on the Game Boy Advance specifically, that original GPA, when you're making everything look dark and gray and muddy, and then also everything is very tiny, like that's really not helping with your ability to perceive what's going on. Yeah. Like, I get what you mean, but then in in this case, it kind of ends up working against it. Sure. Uh, with Harmony of Dissonance, they pull the camera in a bit more, but they still actually give you like enough uh, space around your character is not Soma Cruz, by the way. That's Aria Sorrow. I just realized oh, okay. that. Uh, you play as... What's a just Belmont, right? Yeah, J-U-S-T-E, and I can't figure out if it's just or juiced. I've I've heard it pronounced both ways. Look so at I'm not all sure. that juiced. <laughs> yeah, juiced Belmont. I'm pretty the sure it's just. is loose in Dracula's castle. Yeah. It's going to stab him repeatedly. Um, but yeah, they 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 pull it in more, and then they also use a much more vibrant color palette. And remember, then on top of that, you remember when Juiced Belmont was like in the white Bronco on the highway and threatening <laughs> yeah. to kill himself? Of course, it's when you combine the right spellbook, you're able to drive the Bronco around Dracula's <laughs> castle. Great, run over all the zombies. Yeah, yeah, just the, like the peeping eyes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yes, go on. Um, you also get this outline around just uh, that helps define where he is out on the screen, and that color of outline changes depending on what spellbook you have equipped, uh, which is something that this game also introduces that is new over uh, Circle of the Moon, is you end up collecting these different spellbooks. Uh, all of them but one are elemental in nature, and then these augment the power-ups that you would typically collect, like your you know, your axe that you throw in an arc or the holy water. So it ends up broadening the different kind of special moves that you could do in the game by quite a bit. Uh, and then the final book you get is a summon book, which then lets you summon in monsters based on which of those items you have equipped at the time. Uh, and so I like that a lot, because you can, like, do some really fucked up screen-clearing shit, to the point that, like, I never used the holy water just as the holy water, or the axe as just the axe because they all felt much more powerful and had much more range if you had equipped a spellbook at the same time. Okay. Uh, but part of the drawback to this is it also ends up kind of simplifying a lot of the game because there's a lot of screens you could just completely wipe out some really tough enemies by just, you know, hitting B and up. Oh, sure. Uh, I feel like you'll really like uh, Order of Ecclesia uh, because of the way that game handles weapons. And stuff How does it do that? Uh, it's it's kind of similar Where you're getting spells But it's like um, They're you know like sword And axe or sickle or whatever And you equip two of them at once One to like left attack One to right attack And depending on what combination you have They can do different stuff Oh So hmm, Almost like Kirby 64 is what you're telling me <laughs> A little bit. You you take the two power-ups and you mix them together and you get something different. Yeah, kind of. 
I like that stuff. That's fun to play around with. Kirby 64 mm. is a pretty good video game. Um, yeah, yeah, you got the uh, the spellbook thing, which is a lot of fun to play around with, but then it also kind of makes the game more easy than it should be. I think part of the problem with that is it ends up draining your mana, but it doesn't drain your hearts. So for most of the game, I just was walking around with max hearts and just not using them for anything. And I think an easier way to balance that would be if it drained both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, having to collect two different types of replenishing items would make you want to rely on that less. Uh, yeah. Likewise, like, I wasn't going around busting candlesticks very often because it was like, whatever, like, great, hearts. I have, like, 300 of those. Why do I need any more? Busting candlesticks makes me feel good. That's why. It it does, and that's also why, actually, I continued busting candlesticks <laughs> and also picking up hearts because it makes the sound, and that makes my brain feel good. Mm-hmm. I really like Castlevania's sound design. I'm sorry. It's like actually weird the feel to me of... that you're so positive on this because um, I never played what God was this one? Harmony of Distance, right? Yes. I never played this one or the next one, uh, Aria of Sorrow. Uh, I briefly played Circle of the Moon, and that might be why I didn't bother with the other two. Um, I, I would not blame somebody playing Circle of the Moon and just saying, like, I don't want to have anything else to do with the Game Boy Advance Castlevania games. Well, and so then when the DS came out, I was like, I'll give this another shot. And the first one on that was Dawn of Sorrow, which is garbage. <laughs> Hell uh, yeah. And so I think then I also did not play them for quite a while until later I went back and got Portrait of Ruin and Ecclesia. I was like, yeah, these are pretty good. So, uh, yeah, yeah there's some... bad luck uh, at dancing oh, yeah. school. <laughs> um, I think the part of this is like, I'm sure... reference for the folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Uh-huh. Get a lot of letters this week about that Warren Zevon reference. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't checked the email in a while. I assume nobody's wrote into know. it. If you have, apologies. Oops. Email Larry uh... at destroyallchildren.com. If you want an email read on the air, if I ever look at it, we might no get guarantees. to it like a couple months after you send that in to us. Maybe, maybe we'll get a letter about harmony of dissonance and we'll read it like five months from now. We'll wonder what the fuck that was about because we'll completely forget recording this episode. I mean, I re- I forget anything we talked about about two hours after recording it. So, oh yeah. We definitely don't listen to it. By the time it's time for me to upload, I'm usually like, wait, what What was this one about? (laughs) When I'm trying to write the description. You have to, like, click through and remember what topics came up? Yeah, basically. That's the way to do it. Uh That sounds like you have an aversion to your own voice in the same way that I do. That is correct. And I'm sure everybody listening to this probably also has an aversion to my voice. It's not good. Mm. Your voice is fine, though. I disagree. It is. It is. It is sweet on my ear. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I want you to feel better about yourself, buddy. Harmony uh, of dissonance. Harmony of dissonance. Uh, it feels real good too, like a Castlevania game should. Man, there's something about whipping shit in Castlevania that feels great. Sure. Uh, Eating raw meat, that... whipping fishmen. That's right, except you never use healing items in Castlevania, as you revealed to me, and I asked, like, does this mean that you crack open the wall and see a chicken, and you say, no thanks, and you walk away? No, I 
I will no, eat a wall you... meat, but I do not yeah. use like potions or any of the inventory items because it feels like cheating. So I didn't really have to use any inventory items uh, in Harmony Dissonance because, again, I think my biggest knock against this game is that it is perhaps too easy. Uh, Aria Sorrow, I had to rely on them a bit more because that game thankfully ramps the difficulty up to like acceptable. It's it's a bit unfair in a few spots, but overall, like, kind of feels like how I think a Castlevania game should in terms of difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Harmony of Dissonance, like, a lot of the bosses, you can just stand there and whip them and not even move. Like, th- there are certain parts of their arena that you can just kind of plant yourself in, and their attacks are just never going to hit you. And That's most of the cool. bosses have, like, a couple moves. Like, none of them are really complicated at all. Uh, so when there was a boss rush in it, and I was going for 100% completion, uh, it took me like 10 minutes to get through the boss rush with all three characters, like 10 minutes each. So it wasn't really like going out of my way to do it. It was pretty easy. Um, but like this, so something I wanted to mention about the whip though, is I think that's actually maybe the issue that I have too with Aria of Sorrow and Symphony of the Night is there's something about the feeling of using the whip that's really good that I don't get with the uh, sword-based characters in Castlevania. I prefer like, I think it's the I think it's the arc that I'm missing. I like the overhead arc and, and then it it's just ending abruptly. I mean, it doesn't really have an arc though. It just like goes straight out. What? No, like, so at least in like Harmony of Dissonance, your arc you actually have an arc. It will okay. hit things behind and above you. Uh if anything, the hitbox in Harmony of Dissonance is fucked up. Like, it was just a big, wide rectangle around that whip. I hit things that I definitely did not touch with my sprite. See, I just think of, like, the earlier ones, like uh, NES and SNES ones, where it's just, like, behind his oh, back sure. and then straight in front. Yeah, but I think, like, even uh, Rondo of Blood had, like, an actual arc to the hitbox. Maybe to the hitbox, but I think the animation was not quite... I, I don't, don't know. I don't really remember. Hey, look, Dracula X is on my list because I thought, I think, boy, what if I hated Rondo of Blood? I think it must, yeah, it must have some sort of arc because I think Richter does in Symphony of the Night, and I'm pretty sure that's just the exact same sprites reused. I'm, yeah, I'm relatively sure that it is. Um, although I don't know, they could have messed with the hitbox. I mean, that's the the thing too is Richter is totally busted in Symphony of the Night. Uh, same with Maria. I can't remember if Maria's in the PlayStation version or if that was just in the Sega Saturn version? Or was it Sega CD? Saturn. And I... That okay. might be... I don't know. <laughs> I, I never really played as Richter either. I I goofed around as him because it was fun just sort of playing as a character that the game is obviously not built around, not balanced around, that cast layout is not meant for him. Uh, yeah. Similarly, you can play as a uh, unlockable. Uh, you have like a rival character in this game, as you did in Circle of the Moon. The plot very similar in this game to Circle of the Moon, to the point that it seems like this game is supposed to like almost be an apology for how Circle of the Moon was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to like look it up to confirm it because I had heard just in some YouTube video from some jagoff that like apparently Igarashi was not very involved in Circle of the Moon saw Circle of the Moon after the fact, was not pleased by Circle of the Moon, and then came back and was like, hey, no, like, I'm going to put my hands on Castlevania again and write this ship. So this is just uh, like Dan Didio being mad about 52. 
and saying, <laughs> I'm exactly, going yeah. to make Countdown. It'll be like 52, but good. And that <laughs> was not. Sort of. I think that falls apart when you consider that eh, 52 has some good parts to it, whereas Circle of the Moon, eh. 52 is really good. You're think, you yeah. always confuse it with New 52. I do, yes. 52 um, was just the miniseries. Well, not mini, it was 52 issues. That was the one written by... Uh, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, Mark Wade. Uh, yeah. Who else? It was an all-star um, team. But Maxim is the uh, the secondary character. You get him after the game. Maxim is uh, the movement tech in this game is really good because you can just mash the shoulder buttons and infinitely dash in any direction, and then you got a lot of like good ground like. You can stab down and do these like leaping kicks and everything. It feels fucking great just sliding around like Gumpy across Dracula's castle. So Maxim, his movement tech is like even more fucked up than just is. Like he moves twice as fast, his jump is twice as high, he has a triple jump that you can then combo into uh, the moon jump from Metroid. So you just do the spin attack all over the place. Uh so, like, to beat the game as him, I think it only took me about, like, three hours. I was just, like, jumping through and sliding through the entire castle and just fucking everything up. And it felt fantastic. Like, I didn't beat Symphony of Night with Richter. I kind of goofed around in it for a few minutes and was like, okay, this is neat. But, like, Maxim actually felt so good, I felt encouraged to play the entire game again just as soon as I had beaten it. That's neat. It is. Uh, also because they don't bog him down with uh, having to get certain items like the entire castle is just open to him right from the start because all the moves that they give you anyway will let you explore uh, he doesn't have a level up mechanic or anything like that as well so you basically go in with what you got uh, and then he also has like uh, fighting game combos so like his special moves you have to like roll your thumb on the on the d-pad and stuff and I thought that was kind of neat yeah uh... yeah well, I mean, Symphony of the Night kind of has that too. It does, yeah. Uh, Which I and was it unaware of that... until uh, like the last time I played it. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I already beat the game and then looked up afterwards that like, oh, apparently you can do like quarter, quarter circle stuff in the game. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think that was in Circle of the Moon. I don't know. You played it more recently than I did and yeah, a whole lot more I... of it. I think they took it out of Circle of the Moon, and in Harmony of Dissonance, it's just in here for Maxim. Like, there's nothing like that for Just. Okay. So, it's weird. Anyway, I like the game a whole lot. I had a good time with it. Ratings. Hmm. What do you give I Harmony would give of this, Dissonance? I would give this 4.5 Symphonies of the Night out of 5. Okay. And then I would throw in... Uh, a little summon spell book that lets you summon a demon up as a as a pal as a buddy. Great. So you have somebody to enjoy the game with. Uh so before we go on to the next one, I'll say that I have been playing I've been on a Pathfinder binge recently, kind of. Uh thanks to many of them being available on Game Pass. So uh I played through Hollow Knight again, which now that has a lot of stuff in it that was not there when I first played it, right after it came out. They have is added that like a, a ton uh, of crap to it. Is that like an enhanced edition kind of thing, or yeah. is that like they were adding stuff as free DLC after the fact? 
Oh, it was free DLC, yeah. Um, okay. And it's all integrated into the game. It's not like a separate campaign or anything. Uh, and that game was already basically sort of a Pathfinder, like crossed with a Dark Souls in a way. And this only yeah. enhances that because it has a whole lot more stuff where it's like you find this weird item in a room off to the side and then if you have it equipped when you go over here then you'll go into a different area and a character shows up and if you use the dream nail on them then you'll enter another area and like weird stuff like that oh you mean uh, like simon's curse what you mean like castlevania 2 simon's curse That's the original nice. dark souls it's not simon's curse it's, simon's uh, bad night simon's quest isn't it? Simon's Quest. Uh, yeah, I don't know. it's actually probably Simon's Quest. I just keep thinking it's Simon's Curse because the whole like thing about that game is it's based around him getting cursed. Well, it also sucks. So it's a curse on the person yeah. playing it. <laughs> yes, a horrible night for a curse. Yeah. Um. Yeah, kind of. But like yes, that I mean, I not really that obscure. I don't know. There were some things I had to look at a guide for because I was like, I don't know where to yeah. go with this. That's uh, uh, I mean, that's. I know you bring up Dark Souls, and I think that is still an apt comparison, but when I think about that stuff, honestly, I think the genesis of all that is Castlevania 2. Of just like, oh, i got to pick up this oh, item yeah. and then do a completely weird thing that the game totally obfuscates in order to progress. And, like, there's times where it feels like Dark Souls is aping that from Castlevania 2. Oh, yeah. I yeah, That probably is actually the start of all of that, but... This does it in a somewhat more sensical way uh, mm. But yeah, uh, Hollow Knight is probably the only one Like game in that genre that I would say stands up to the best Castlevanias and Metroids It's really, really good um, I have Hollow Knight and I really ought to like sit down and play it I think I've probably put about a couple hours into it and, ew, That's a long game if you want to do everything in it I... This is, that's the that's the thing with these games though is I, I I often feel discouraged to do everything in them because so much of it is just like oh this thing was hidden behind this invisible wall you would have had no way of knowing unless somebody told you or you were just bumping into every wall in the game yeah. and like that, I think that's actually one thing I like about Harmony of Dissonance too is it's very intuitive making your way through that castle I think there's like two items that are hidden behind invisible walls and you know where they're at because they give you a visual cue that there is something beyond that wall and you need to figure out how to get past it. Um, yeah, I, I think Hollow Knight is generally pretty good about that stuff. Um, but the map is maybe not as precise as I would like, and so that sort of leads to some issues. And there really should be more fast travel points. Um, that was kind of a problem when trying to get everything. Uh, specifically like later in the game Because it also does the Souls thing of Some areas changing After certain story events And so that made it so some places Were pretty awkward to get back to But Overall I still really like it You should play it Highly recommend Yeah I should uh, Also on Game Pass was Gato Roboto Which is sort of a Game Boy style game uh, not great, but it was also very short. I 100%ed it. It took about two and a half hours. 
Oh, jeez. Yeah, that is pretty short. Uh, actually, no, I did not 100%. I was missing one health item, and I didn't really know where it was. And again, the map is not great. And so I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to finish this. But got everything else that, in it. That is one of the things that bothers me about Pathfinder games, too. If you are going for 100% or you just want to get all of a certain thing, is especially stuff like health upgrades, you miss mm. one of them. The map is so fucking huge. Where the hell did you miss it? Yeah, yeah, like, um, well, in a lot of them they will have some sort of item that you get that will at least give you some indication where on the map there's an item that you might be missing. Uh, sure, this time, that, nope. Yeah, that did not happen for me in uh, Harmony of Dissonance, because I know that, um, because I was doing retro achievement stuff in the game, too, and for Maxim, there's one for getting all the hard containers and all the health upgrades, and there were two hard containers that were, like, I couldn't find them. Uh, and the map I was using was bad because it was incomplete and I could not find another map on the internet that actually pointed out where all the items in the game were. And like besides that, I feel with Pathfinder games, the whole point is discovering new things on your own. I feel it really is defeating the purpose behind those games when you're constantly referring to a map. So... Uh, yeah. So, like, if you want to get 100% completion on your first go and you miss a health item, like, if you're playing that those games the way that I feel that you should be playing them, at least the first time through, like, even if you look at a map, you're not going to know where the fuck you missed something. Yeah. So. Uh, and then the other one, I have not finished this game yet. It's very good. Uh, Super Land, which is a first-person Pathfinder game uh, where you are a toy in a sandbox. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's like everything is toy world. Uh, your guys are the reds, and they're enemies with the blues. Uh, occasionally, you can look up and you can see the very creepy child like standing over the area, uh, completely unmoving, unblinking. He is your god. Like the, he will destroy you. Is the moon in Majora's Mask? Kind of. Just um, gazing down at you from above. A little bit. Uh, there's one part like where mm. you're in a castle and he's just like standing outside the window, staring into it. Oh, uh, like you just pass by and there's a fucking eyeball out there. Uh, no, you go into the. It's a throne room, and he's standing oh, okay. outside it. Um, but yeah, it's um. So there is combat in it, and I really wish there wasn't, because it's the worst mm. part about it. Uh, enemies constantly respawn. Eventually you get the ability to destroy their spawn markers. Uh, but that's actually kind of hidden fairly well. It, it is conceivable that you could skip over that completely and just have to deal with things constantly respawning. Even so, there are like these lava monsters that start spawning in later that I don't have any way of keeping them from showing up. Um, that and... Uh, the narrative is like whatever the writing very bad i don't know what it is with this genre of game that developers will make a game that plays really well and then just put the cringiest references possible into it uh, i believe what uh well like guacamole was the same way like that's a great oh, game that God, has all yeah. the terrible memes in that main area yeah Oh, because you know memes, they age so well, Larry. Oh, yeah. They totally I... don't date your game at all. Yeah, everyone remembers Ikea Monkey. Uh, so... I, I do not, actually. <laughs> I'm trying to, like... 
I'm trying to search my memory banks for the Ikea monkey, and I'm coming up with nothing. There's a little monkey in a coat that was, like, stuck in an Ikea. Uh, you say Ikea, though, and I just think about how I want those DTOF cases, but for some reason it's still, like, 300 damn dollars to ship one to me. Yep. So then I get angry, and I have to go lay down. Yep, I gotta wait for him to open so I can go get another one. Uh, yeah, put great. on my hazmat suit and head to Ikea. Um, I was just going to settle on those muscle racks, and then they went out of stock, and then I got the email alert from Walmart that was like, oh, we got them back in again, and I was about to buy them, and I went to the site, and they were sold out again. So I don't know how the pandemic is affecting the muscle rack market in particular, but it's fucking it up. I don't know. Muscle racks suck anyway. I shouldn't have let you convince me to get them. Um, what? Anyway. Uh, so what I was saying in this, it's more stuff like... um. Here's a guy with a goatee in it, like a, well, actually, it is, it is kind of like hazmat suit on, and the house behind him has blue crystals in it, and he says, I'm not cooking anything. Get it? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's a uh, Breaking Bad, right? Yes. Walter White? That's him. That and you'll find... You'll find like dead bodies around uh, other toys, and it's like you know Goku or Link or whatever, uh, mm. Vault Boy, something like that, and you yeah. get like items from them. I I don't think that... the writer, I don't think English is his first language. There's a lot of stuff in here that seems poorly translated. Oh. Um. Does so... anyone in the game ever say that this is like playing Toy Story? Because I feel like that would be the ultimate <laughs> reference for this. No, it should. No, that's too good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the combat's annoying. I should like it because it it has a bit of a Quake vibe to it, especially once you get mm. the gun and once you have um, once the gun can fire more rapidly and you don't have to worry about ammo and everything. But it's just there's kind of no point to killing the enemies. They'll give you at most like one coin each, which doesn't help you at all, really, and it just gets in the way of the puzzles, which is the main part of the game. It's um, it's not like a standard Pathfinder where like you get it's like you got missiles now you can open missile door, uh, you can jump yeah. higher now you can get up here. There's some of that, but it's almost like a portal. Or something like that, or like a, like the Talos principle, something along those lines, where you have very involved puzzles, usually involving physics or something, and the tools they give you are much more innovative than I would have expected. It's not like just like double jump, you get like triple jump and stuff like that, but... Some of the traversal stuff you get, there's one ability in particular that I don't want to spoil that was really cool. And it makes you realize there are things that you won't notice going through the first time, where then if you go back to previous areas, you could be like, oh, this is here for a reason. I can use this item with this to get up there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the levels and everything, the design on them is really good. They're... There are a couple parts that are iffy that specifically there are some that I felt I was almost like glitching my way into, but I don't know any other way around it. Um, although on that note, later you get a traversal ability that kind of just breaks everything. You can get almost anywhere. And then I realized, well, 
there are a lot of things I noticed early on uh, Where in most games you would expect there to be an invisible wall But there isn't It's just they crammed like every nook and cranny with It might just be like plus one sword damage or something But there's something almost everywhere in it Even places mm. that you wouldn't think you could normally get to Just like Donkey Kong 64 No There's always something everywhere No, because this is good Um <laughs> Although I did notice, like once I got that item I'm talking about that kind of broke everything, I did find some invisible walls. If you really, really uh, go out of bounds, and they do you mention that. the game hard enough, yeah, and they it pushed back. But to be fair, they do mention it early on in the game. They um, watch oh, out for God. invisible walls. Oh, it reminded me of another really bad reference. Uh, what? <laughs> Lay it on me. Okay, well. So this kid is their god to them And so they're talking about How he has invisible walls to keep you from getting out Um But there is a part where you find Someone with like Jesus statues And the face Is that painting the lady did Over that scroll or whatever right. yeah. yeah She yeah. fucked it all up Yeah, it's That's what I'm saying, it's yeah. stuff like that It doesn't really affect the game The game is still really good But all that every time it happened, I was just like, oh, "Come on!" You sure the writer of this didn't do Borderlands too? No, this is a whole lot of co-opting humor from the internet to yeah, make a story. Yeah. yeah. So, to its credit, they have crowdfunded the sequel, and they specifically okay. mention in that we learned what our difficulty, like what our faults were, and it specifically mentions the combat and narrative. So. Hopefully, that's good. With two, they will be putting more into that uh, and not just dumping memes everywhere. There was a sequel to Guacamelee 2, wasn't there? Yeah, it was called Guacamelee 2. Okay, well, look, hey, I don't know. I don't play Guacamelee. I'm, I bring that up because I wanted to know did they remove all the meme stuff in the second game, or is that sort of still there? I think I think they did the same thing where it was like one room. Okay. Oh, that sounds familiar. Like they dumped it all in like a spite room or something like that. Yeah, I, I was think like, so. hey, fuck you for not liking our humor in the first game. Uh, yeah, probably. This sounds very familiar to me, but yeah. Um, no, but no, maybe I'm wrong. But yes, uh, maybe super... I'm thinking of the meme room in Aria of Sorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just a bunch of all your base references and shoot the whoop. Yeah, you go in and uh, insanity wolf is there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Superland though like as a game very good highly recommend it there there are some puzzles that are I had to look up in guides a couple of times oddly whenever I would look it up the thing I saw wasn't actually the solution for what I was looking for it was uh, but it would kind of lead me there if that makes sense so I'll just say there's a part where you go into an area that has a bunch of carrots and it's pretty clear uh, that there are these flies around And they will eat the carrots So you need to find a way to lure the flies to the carrots So you can progress Except It says they are um, They're attracted to purple light And you have this cube that you can summon That is bright purple Except that won't attract them And so you need to find something else And I could not figure out what to do mm. Uh as an aside, the cube later will attract them. 
for whatever reason. But it doesn't here. So, so in this one area doesn't do the thing that you would intuit it to do. Yeah. Okay. So I went and looked and was like, okay, you need one of these crystals to lure them. And so then I figured that was all I read, and then I figured, okay, I need to recolor one of these crystals purple, but I need to get to the crystal. And then that made me realize the crystals are in a room guarded by it's like a Minecraft guy and he says he wants a diamond pickaxe. I thought you had to go I thought you had to go get a diamond pickaxe. I couldn't find one anywhere. Eventually I realized you have to get one of the regular pickaxes around and color it blue. Which did not make sense to me because that's not diamond, but I guess maybe in Minecraft it is because there is a poster next to him that shows and I looked at it as like Oh, I guess I just need to make it blue, and that works. So when you're saying that this that this is a Minecraft, you mean he is literally a mind a Minecraft? Like that is supposed to be a reference to Minecraft? Yes. They like built he, a puzzle around a reference to Minecraft. Uh, it's like a yeah, it's a guy in front of a room, uh, in front of a door, and his face is like the Minecraft pixels, and he says like, "I need a diamond pickaxe." Uh, that that's, that's the, actually that's... kind of the only. Instance in which a puzzle is directly related okay. to the reference, though, because that was going to be my next question: is how much more do they do they do that where they integrate these cringy references into the actual like mechanics of the game? No, that's really the only time. Right. Um, oh, that's forgivable. And I guess. Uh, to their credit, they are, they're still changing stuff in the game. Um. There was an update just a couple of days ago where he was changing puzzles because they were like too hard or something. I don't know exactly what one it was. It mentioned like in the volcano area, which is a place I've already been, and I really don't know what one it would be talking about, but they're still yeah, like, working I, on it, so okay. Like th- those puzzles as you described them sound like um this guy made this game so the puzzle makes sense to him but then he releases it and doesn't realize it just because like you understand the puzzle because he made the game yeah you didn't make it like clear enough for people who did not like sit down and code this thing yeah yeah well uh, I, I mean i think which, it's just one guy as far as i know yeah it, but maybe but what i'm getting at is like that's that's something i can be sympathetic towards like i understand that you know, when you're when you're creating a game, your perception of its difficulty or how to get past a hurdle in it is going to be vastly different from somebody who is just sitting down to play it. Mm-hmm. So it's good on him that he's going back in and he's adjusting that stuff based on feedback. Right, and like, what I was saying about the the thing they were saying about the sequel is, yeah, they're taking the feedback on it, so that's good. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of games that are just you know it's a one-man team or it's a very small team and they put these things out and they get feedback on it and they get like aggressively offended by the feedback that they get yeah and so like for example the meme room in guacamelee 2 yeah so to its credit uh, superland is a huge game uh it's pretty astonishing that they managed to put this together there's a lot of stuff in there uh Mm. and so yeah like check it out it's it's actually in this month's um humble choice bundle which uh kind of seems like the only thing in there worth getting uh but you know maybe look for a sale or something uh yeah that, 
That sounds like something if I can get it for dirt cheap, I'd, I'd maybe mess around in it just to sort of experience what you experienced with it. But the way you describe a lot of those puzzles, I doubt that's something that I would actually be able to finish. I think I'd probably bounce off of that pretty fast. The puzzles are, some of them are pretty devious. Uh, again, yeah. it depends on how much you liked stuff like the Talos Principle, because that's really the closest thing. I didn't play Talos Principle, so I, uh, okay. I don't have a good point of reference there, unfortunately. Any sort of like yeah. um, those like yeah, those first person puzzle game things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the extent of my uh, Pathfinder binging. I have, I have also installed the Ori games. Have not played them yet. Probably do that as part of my post surgery recovery. Because why not? Yeah, it seems like a good contemplative game to play. Oh yeah, something yeah. with infuriating platforming, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Aria of Sorrow. By the way, I played another Castlevania. It wasn't just the one. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'm very proud of myself for sitting down and actually playing two Game Boy Advance games back to back, considering how I feel about the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, you have a weird grudge against it for some reason. I don't I do not like it. I think it is a garbage handheld. It's probably the worst handheld that Nintendo has put out. And I'm counting the Virtual Boy in that. What about the Switch? Switch is better. Mm. Switch is be- the Switch is better than the Game Boy Advance. I said it. I stand by it. I will continue to stand by it. I will never change my opinion on this. Disagree. Uh, well, that's part of what makes the podcast so interesting. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> Ari of Sorrow, uh, I would kind of put about on the same level as uh, Circle of the Moon in that I have a very middling to somewhat negative opinion on it. Um, which is a shame because after Harmony of Dissonance, I was so excited for just more of that, that I really went into this thing expecting I was going to love the hell out of it because it's also like held up as one of the best Game Boy Advance games of all time. But I really wanted to like it. And I just kind of felt like I kept hitting walls in the game that like made me feel worse and worse and worse about my time playing it. Um, in this game, you play as Soma Cruz. Uh, you're actually Dracula, turns out. <gasps> Whoops. Uh oh. Wait, no, he You're isn't. Dracula. Yes, he is. Uh, Someone cruises so the, the, Dracula. He's he's Dracula. So the premise of this game <sighs> is that the Belmonts have finally found a way to completely rid Dracula of his powers and banish him, and that is somehow sealing Castlevania inside of a solar eclipse. Uh, but then, like, Dracula's spirit ends up going into another body, which is Soma Cruz. Uh, he's born on the same day as the castle being sealed into the eclipse. But Soma doesn't know that he is Dracula and that he has Dracula's powers. And part of the castle reappearing is to help him regain those memories and regain the powers of Dracula. But by the end of the game, he realizes he don't want to be no Dracula because he had, like, a perfectly ordinary life and he was pretty cool with it. So... Soma has to banish uh, Dracula from within him, uh, basically. Uh, and while all this is going on, there are other, like, there's another guy in the castle who's just like, yo, man, I'm going to take Dracula's powers for myself, and I'm going to become Dracula. Uh, and so the twist of the game is that you think that dude is Dracula the whole time, but it turns out it's Soma. Um, and then, okay. of course, there's a Belmont there's a Belmont fucking around in there, and there is a Belnades, uh, which is, I think, 
trying to remember, like, I know that Sypha is the, the first one, and then they have a kid. I don't know if there's any other, like, characters in Castlevania that have still retain that last name other than other than those isn't, two. But isn't that one all, also in the future, though? Yeah, 2035 is when this Ooh. game takes place, so we are not yet at Aria of Sorrow. <laughs> um, the, the castle was... Or no, I guess he wasn't born the, the same day the castle was sealed, because the castle was sealed in 1999. Mm, uh, party like it. that happening. Yeah. That's <laughs> party what Prince in Dracula's was, castle. That's what Prince was singing about. Yeah. Um, look, Dracula's castle did not survive into the Wildenium. It's just, it didn't happen. Right. It was not Y2K compatible. These are the jokes that you make about the year 1999. Uh huh. Yeah, had to get them all out of the way. I uh, like uh, listening to old Art Bell shows, uh, where people yeah. who claim to be time travelers would call in, and every one of them would say, "Oh, 1999, like Y2K is going to be a terrible disaster. We're not going to survive it." And uh, <laughs> way to destroy Someone... your credibility. Someone in VR chat the other night told me that we understood the Mayan calendar is wrong and that this is actually 2012. <laughs> They're very insistent upon this. They were yelling this at a lot of people. Yes, I, I actually have heard <laughs> this theory before. Um, there, there was a similar one about like 9-11 being predicted yeah. by Nostradamus because it was actually supposed to be... Sure. That, like it wasn't Y2K, it was... Yeah, that, that was what was supposed to be. I don't know. It's all nonsense. All of... All of this reminds me of the time that I was at the post office to get my passport made and this old lady, because there was just a huge line because there always is inside the post office, and this old lady kept trying to tell me about the fucking Bible code. Tell me about the Bible code. There's codes in the Bible. You look at, like you read every other line and there's numbers and you match up certain words and they spell out different phrases and like she told me fucking everything there is to know about the Bible code. The post office is the worst goddamn place in the world to be. I fucking hate it. I do not like going into the post office. The people who are in there are fucking insane. And then, like, every time I go to the post office, the people behind the, the counter are rude as shit, and, like, I kind of can't blame them considering what people they have to deal with every single day. Fucking post office. Anyway, Ari of Sorrow. <laughs> I don't mean to go off on a rant here, but the post office. Hey, uh, Chachi. <laughs> my Dennis Miller sounded more like Paul Lind, but okay. <laughs> That's, that's the only impression I don't want to do. Well, yours was better than mine, in a way. Mm. Okay. That's uh, unfortunate. Uh, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, Ario Saru. Um, so this game uses the Tactical Soul system, uh, which is basically like Castlevania's own weird version of Pokemon, more or less. Uh, when you defeat an enemy, you have a chance to obtain their soul. And when you obtain their soul, you end up getting an attack based around that enemy. Uh, sometimes you just get a certain stat bonus instead, or you get some kind of uh, movement-based utility. Uh, but most of them are attacks. So instead of getting the traditional, like, I picked up the axe and I can throw the axe, you would defeat one of the bone enemies, and now you can throw a bone just like you would throw the axe in the other games. Um, and then you would have, uh, you have blue, red, and yellow souls. Uh, red is attack. Yellow is... I always, yellow and blue, I keep wanting to flip in my mind. Yellow is the stuff that's just like, oh, I have plus five to constitution or plus 16 to strength. 
and then blue is your movement utility thing. So like you have one that will turn you into a bat and you can fly around, which is a, obviously a thing from Symphony of the Night. Um, or I don't know if you uh, how do, how do you feel about the water temple and Ocarina of Time, Larry oh, Davis? It's, oh, it's the best. Everyone it's great, right? It. Don't you you love going into the menu and switching the boots around all the time, right? Uh huh. Yeah, classic. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, you have a couple souls in this game. Uh, one of them lets you sink in water, and one of them lets you rise to the top of the water and walk on top of it. And uh, there is a extremely large portion of game where you constantly have to go into the menu and keep switching these souls around. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's starting to make sense that I might not like this game. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd say probably a good like 30 to 40% of my time playing it was just in that one goddamn area. Great. Uh, yeah. Yes. Great. Water it's levels very good. Always great, no matter what. I actually kind of like the visual design of that area, but yes, Shut it actually up. like completely fucking sucks being in it. I it, there is something I find very relaxing and pleasing about like kelp. Like it, 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 it's it's kind of like a, a sort of aqueduct looking thing, like it's underground as a whole cave system. You know, there's water dripping off all the rocks and everything. Like I like that stuff visually, but it's always a fucking bummer to play a game in one of those areas. Yeah, like Hydro City Zone. It's Hydrosity Zone, you piece of shit, you fucking. Yeah, that word, Hydrosity, well known. It's Hydrosity. It's Metal Gear Solid Five. It's Hydrosity. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I will. Die on this hill, and they were—they will bury me under the hill, Larry. I okay. swear to well, God. What if they buried you in a city that is underwater, a hydro city, if you will? Well, no such thing exists. It's the lost city of Atlantis. How dare you? Um. Anyway, yes, that that is a portion of the game that is very much not good. But the, the point is, you you have these different souls that you collect, and that you can kind of combo them and do different things, and that is a very interesting system. That can be broken in some really fun ways, but also requires a lot of menuing, which then ended up discouraging me from kind of switching off of the one setup that I found that I kind of liked the most. Uh, and then that is also the way that you get the true ending, is you have to collect three very specific souls. Uh, there are books in the game that you can find, and when you read them, they give you a hint about what soul you need. And then having that specific set is what allows you to face the, the, the true final boss and get the best ending. Um, and that combo, again, because you are Soma Cruz, a.k.a. Dracula, uh, is the giant bat, the succubus soul, which will let you absorb HP uh, as you are attacking enemies, like a vampire might, and the uh, flame demon soul, which lets you shoot the three fireballs that Dracula shoots when he opens up his cape. Oh, that's neat. So if you have all those, yeah, you get the true ending. And it, as it happens, that's like the best combo to have in general like the bat is really good like oh i gotta get out of combat real quick or like i want to get somewhere fast because the bat moves very quickly um the, the fireball has really good range and high attack and damage and then the succubus soul is really good for replenishing health uh, without feeling like a, a filthy potion drinking cheater yeah it's iffy yeah. it it restores a very small amount of health it's like plus five health for each attack that you do oh, out okay so. Yeah, like you, if you really want to recover a decent amount of your bar, you still have to play the game well and avoid damage. Yeah. Uh, so I felt it was it was pretty well balanced. Uh, yeah, there there's a lot of like uh, 
like I said, they made the game harder. So there are much fewer uh, save points in the game. The more points are more spread out. There's a lot of really nefarious shit between you and the save points. So if you get low on health, trying to get back there is precarious. Uh, there is a shop system, and they really just dump a ton of money on you. Like, there's a ring in there that costs 300000 bucks, and honestly, not unreasonable to think you could end up with 300000 bucks by the end of that game. Um, to give you some perspective, most other items cost, like, $100. So, Are there missions like, that, like, Soma Cruz can take where it's like, uh, you're going to go kill this guy, so you should put your money in these stocks because then they're going to shoot up after you kill him. <laughs> and so then you get all of the money, and then you can buy a bowling alley. Are you watching Fox News again? Larry? What? <laughs> no. Think about <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Okay. Was wondering if you saw their graph about the S&P after horrible tragedies. No, but that sounds about right. Yeah, that was a thing they did where they pointed out, like, oh, after the Rodney King death, like, stocks went way up, so you should invest right now, because police are killing people. What? Rodney King didn't die from the beating, you know? Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, he didn't die. I'm thinking, they listed a bunch of people who died or got beaten by the police oh. and then likened it to, like, the stock market went up shortly afterwards. Show and, me uh, the frankly, graph. it was such a staggering amount. Show me the graph after Reginald Denny was pulled out of his truck. Oh. Um. But yeah, I, I think part of what I dislike about this game is they remove a lot of the movement tech that I enjoyed from Harmony of Dissonance. You have a backstep that cannot be chained into numerous backsteps fluidly. You have no forward dash. Uh, I don't believe, like, I think you have a slide, but I don't think that there's really any reason to use the slide at all. Um, That's a bummer. There's I not a slide. I think I think there's a double jump, but it's a, it's tied to one of the souls. So at some point, you're just going to have to make the decision to take it off. Uh, and then, of course, like a lot of the progression is then based around what souls you're getting. So none of the progression can be too limited by the souls you're getting. Like th there are some that you will get for defeating certain bosses that then open up new areas. But they also have to balance it around the other souls that you could just accrue by defeating random enemies. So the progression in the game doesn't feel as, like, thoughtful necessarily as it does in other Castlevania games. Like, it, it, it felt like more of that castle was open to me, I guess, in a really weird way. Like, the progression just didn't feel good. Uh, the bosses are harder, like I said. Um, so there is... I've found a few of them. I had to just stock up on a bunch of potions and just start chugging them all in the middle of the fight. Uh, the fight against Jay Belmont, Julius Belmont, I think is his name. Like, he has a ridiculous amount of HP. Jay Bellman. Yep, that's right. Film lover. He shows up and misunderstands Joker, and then you have to fight him. <laughs> But then criticizes other people for not paying attention to some really boring-ass horror movie about Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Yeah, that's OJ. Uh, yeah, I, I just I feel that this was kind of a weird... Um, they, they just kind of pulled back from some of the stuff that, that felt good about uh, Harmony of Dissonance. They put you in a water level for way too damn long. There's... 
a lot more backtracking in this over areas that just kind of aren't fun to traverse because, again, they're very, very precarious. Um, I don't know. It is, it's fine, I guess. Like, it's an okay Castlevania game, but it just didn't really, like, grab me in the way Harmony of Dissonance did. It's kind of hard to explain just where exactly my disconnect with it is. I just know that I feel that disconnect with it. It's unfortunate. I give it 2.5 symphonies of the nights out of 5. Okay, great. I was going to say ratings, but you beat me to it. Yep. Wraps beat it up. you to it, and then the stocks are going to go up. Woo! <laughs> great. Time to look at my portfolio, which does not exist. Uh, next up. Comics Corner, everyone's favorite. Uh, this a lot week, of zeros in that portfolio, but not the way that you would want there to be. Uh, technically, infinite zeros. Uh, <laughs> That's right. So uh, this this week, this look. Hey, I would you advise that I invest in Diamond? Oh yeah, definitely. They're going to be around forever. Um, Can I put my stimulus money into Diamond? I really like. By the way, about that news, how many people are mad about it when um when that whole thing like when a month of not shipping comics uh almost caused them to collapse, that should maybe be a sign that uh you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket uh yeah, but you know comics retailers are notoriously mad about having to change anything at all, so whatever. I mean, the industry is working out so well just the way it is. Why would you change any of that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely not stagnated or anything. Uh, yeah, it so... hasn't been on the verge of collapse almost constantly since uh, the 90s? I mean, it did collapse in the 90s. but I mean, yeah, it yeah. still hasn't been in a great place since then. Anyway, this time, Catwoman 80th Anniversary by Various... Yeah. Yes, many hands. Uh huh. Yeah. So again, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that is a reference to a. Uh, it's a reference to the Sonic comic from Archie. There was this really notoriously bad issue where most of the panels were actually just blank, and they just had dialogue there. And whoever worked on it was so ashamed that the artist credit is just many hands. So. Okay. That is, uh, has to, I know that there's like a movie version of that and I can never remember what the name is, but that Alan was like Smithy. a director. Yeah, Alan Smithy, thank you. Yeah, it's, I've sort of just accepted that as the comic, ver the comic book version of Alan Smithy is Mini Hands. Oh, okay. I've never heard of it before. Uh, I mean, so... that might be the only instance it's used, but I would like to see it used more. There is a, uh, there is a chapter of this very comic that I thought to myself, like, Eh, artist should have been many hands on this, man. This is not good. <laughs> I think I know what one you're talking about, but... Yeah. Uh, we'll get there. We'll go one by one. So, uh, first up, Skin the Cat. This is from Paul Dini. Uh, yeah. Art by Emanuela Lupacino, one of my faves. Uh, colors by Laura Allred, which was interesting to see. Uh, I don't really see her do, like... Stuff that isn't Mike Allred that often. You know, I think she did the uh, colors for Joelle Jones' Catwoman also, so I guess that makes sense. Anyway, what did you think about this one? I liked it a whole lot. Like, I actually thought that this anniversary issue started very strongly, uh, yeah. both in terms of the storytelling and the art. 
uh, but it really isn't surprising to me because the first thing that I read on that page was written by Paul Denny, and I knew that it was probably going to be pretty fucking good. Yeah, I, I actually think this format also is one that Paul Dini excels at, um, doing like yes. shorter one-off stories. Uh, uh, extended yeah. RXC is kind of hit or miss on, mm. but uh, yeah. this sort of is forte. So uh, this one involving Catwoman going into the lair of uh, the um, the taxidermist who has been taxiderming large cats. Uh, if this comic had come out like two months later, there would have been a Joe Exotic reference in here, I bet. <laughs> the taxidermist is Carol Baskin? <laughs> no, it would have been him <laughs> saying something like, I got it from this guy named uh, uh, Joe Domestic or something. Uh, Catwoman would have found a body in a septic tank, and that would have tipped her <laughs> off to the taxidermist location. Uh, yeah, sure, something. Yeah, something uh, like that. Uh Yes, like that. It's hard for my mind to not go to that place now whenever big cats are brought up. And I don't think that it's ever going to, like, it's always going to be that way for me. I'm going to remember the Joe Exotic stuff because it just <laughs> sort of sticks with you like yeah. a slime. Yeah. Uh, a layer of muck on your flesh that you're never ever going to be able to wash off. Um, but, but it, yes, it's a. This was a pretty solid issue. I think that the only place I had a little bit of a problem with it is there's a very long page of just exposition and it's kind of clunkily delivered, but also in Paul Denny's defense, given the amount of space that he had to tell the story and the amount of information he had to lay out, I really don't think that there was a better way to do it. Um, the kind of the issue I had with this bit was um, when she says she replaced the live cats with oh, the, right. the mannequin yeah, ones. It's like, would he really not notice that they just like had some mannequins in his cages that was weird yeah uh, did like did he forget not working on taxidermy he's the taxidermist like no. did he and like where did she fake get... lion showed up and he was just like huh i don't remember doing that but i must have i'm the taxidermist well that's another thing is like where did she get the taxidermied ones to replace them from you know, like I mean, she's a Catwoman. She can find a place to steal them from. That that is a bit less of a, a leap for me than the taxidermist not realizing that he didn't taxidermy these cats. I don't know. Yeah. So it's very weird. Uh, next up was "Now You See Me" by Anna Sinti. Uh, pencils by Robson Rocha. Inks by Daniel Henriquez. Colors by Alejandro Sanchez. Uh, letters Starring by Jesse Eisenberg. Um. Yeah, that's right. And uh Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Woody Ruffalo Harrelson. Is in that? Yep. Woody yeah, Harrelson. He plays uh Yep. Yeah. Wow. Uh Mark Ruffalo plays so you think he's Isn't the bad Don guy. Isn't Don Cheadle in it? No. Oh, I think it was Morgan Freeman. <laughs> no, no. I thought Don Cheadle was in it. Wow. Oh, I'm thinking of Ocean's oh. 11 actually. Yeah, you're that's <laughs> not far off. I mean, this, that movie yeah. is a very weak attempt at an Ocean's Eleven. Yes, so that makes exactly. Sense. Yeah, Mark. Real quick, Mark Ruffalo. He plays like the villain. He's like the the uh, he's like your Zinigata of this movie. Like he's constantly Ooh. stomping on his hat because oh, those magicians keep getting away from me. Uh, but then it turns out at the end of the movie, the greatest trick of all, the greatest. It's all misdirection, smoke and mirrors. It turns out he was actually one of the good guys. He was in on it the entire time and giving them their orders. And he's this like master magician thief. Uh, and that movie is fucking bad and it sucks and stupid. And I can't believe they made another one. The Prestige. 
that's a really great movie that is a good version of what now you're now you see me is yeah real shame about now you see me though uh also uh, a real shame about this story that anna senti continues to get work despite sucking at everything she's ever made yeah i want to I'm trying to like look back uh, at the art though. Like the art is really good on yeah, this. Yeah, the, the art the looked a lot like um Tony Daniel actually to me. Yeah, uh, I like that Catwoman is in her Batman Returns outfit <laughs> yeah. during all of this as yeah. well for no discernible reason. Uh, I had no idea what the fuck was going on in this story. I, I don't know. She stole a thing and she hid a thing. I don't know what the thing is. And then the guy shows up and he tries t- to steal the thing that she's he's, very obviously hidden. He's trying to blackmail her and like yeah. be a partner or something and also fight her. And then it has lines like, I'll do the rounds. Don't be stealing a nap while I'm gone. Steal a nap. You can't steal a nap. Sleeping on the company's dime. That's theft. Yeah, no. it's time theft. It's a very uh, serious issue. Oh uh, yeah, I do it every yeah. night. Um, yeah. You stole five dollars from this corporation. How how could you? Uh, how could you? Uh, let's see. See how you play, sucker, with a remote controlled bomb in the game. Yeah, a bored cat, <sighs> bored pigeons. Great, I'm bored stiff. You done? Did it's... Neil Adams write this? It kind of feels like it. <laughs> Like it just needs a whole lot of ellipses, and then it would it would be there, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. No was... human being talks like that. By the way of note, uh, due to the way DCBS sent out shipments, I actually have a physical copy of this for once. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> no. I didn't have to go on the internet. Oh. Um, I did. I'm I'm not spending money on any of this crap. Well, no that's way fine. Hell. Yeah. Yeah, the the art in this actually might be my favorite art in the entire anniversary issue. It is a real shame about the story. Like you said, the dialogue is completely unnatural. Also, um, there okay. And, so... and again, I like I could not understand like the the flow of events. I'm specifically I'm hung up on notices Catwoman steal a thing, yes. hides the thing very obviously. So I'm, it's a bomb. So I'm guessing she's using a bomb on a bird coop. I don't know why. Somehow Penguin is involved with this, and it's part of a larger heist. I'm guessing at the job that he is at, but it's never specified what it is they would be stealing or why that place is important. He just shows up, steals the bomb, and is like, hey, look, I run the cameras, you should team up with me. And then she goes, hey, dummy, you stole a bomb, and then pushes him off the roof, and he explodes? And then Penguin's just like, ah, the best laid plans of birds and men in the issue. The the bomb the bomb on the penguin thing isn't in this story, is it? Yeah, it is. That's it. she puts it on the guy and she pushes him off the roof and then he blows up and he lands on the penguin's car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was thinking of the other one where they like find uh, Batman goes up to the penguin and he's like, It's a distraction, it was actually a scarecrow or whatever. Oh, yeah, I don't know. The sequence of events in this thing just felt very weird and kinda of clumsy to me and yeah, I didn't like, I didn't like okay. It. So I'm looking at the sequence uh, mm-hmm. where it's just like Catwoman kicks him and he sort of leans over the ledge. You don't see him dropping yeah. anything. Uh, and then he says like, so what do you think partners? And she just like puts her hand up to scare a bird away. And he yeah. says, it's easy money. Why toss it like that? 
nasty birds trust me too much they're dumb like that what is this makes zero sense well so he's using the word toss figuratively like she's just tossing it away because she makes a motion as if though she is tossing or dismissing it although like i don't know it's not the art's fault because the art is very good it is the dialogue it is the writing yeah they should stop Look, I know Innocenti has been these... around for a very long time, uh, oh, but much like Gail Simone, uh, stop giving her work oh. because yeah, bad. Next up, um, Elena. Speaking of bad writers, speaking of bad, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, by story by hey, look, Tom King, this, art by this bitch Tom King again. <laughs> Art by Mikkel Janine, also again not a fan of. Colors by Jordi Belair is great. Layers by Clayton Cowles. Uh, this story not not good. I'll hey say. man, he's got a bat bucket. It's a bucket with a bat on it. You get it? Batman's so quirky, naming everything about bats. It's like it's all bats to him, all the way down. Actually, that was My the one part of the Tom sunlight. King. Sure, and that is the. Yeah, because it's like the one part of this issue that has like any kind of humor or humanity to it, and the rest of it is very boring. Yep, it's just uh, Selena gets prego. So this is like a, I guess this is supposed to be Earth Two because it would be about the birth of yeah. Helena Wayne, a huntress. Um, Selena gets pregnant and then decided decides the best thing to do is go fight bad guys while <laughs> bulging, uh, which looks very which... stupid. Yes, so I was gonna say it looks very dumb. Also, does not make does not endear me to her character. Nope, or even Bruce really shit. for allowing it to happen. Yeah, because he he she's just like, why don't you try to stop me? And he's just like, well, I could try, but like he wouldn't listen to me. And she's like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, okay, great, you're both pieces of shit. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, great then, contribution to the canon, Tom and, King. <laughs> and then at the end, it's a weird bit where they're. In a graveyard, it's old Selena and uh, grown-up Helena, and she yeah. says something like, "You're like him. Uh, you see the good in everything." And, n- n- what? No. Bruce. Batman's not... incredibly pessimist. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a gross misunderstanding of his character. Uh, yeah. There, there's also like the other takeaway I got from this was the bit where like Catwoman has the big baby bump in her skin tight suit, and I thought, oh no, this is definitely somebody's fetish. <laughs> yeah, somebody's fucking honking it to this Tom King comic right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. I just don't, I don't get what it is about Tom King that he just seems to not understand Batman. It's so weird. I don't know don't i don't know well the tom king defender has logged on at the same time i'm not going to defend this because this was suck yeah it's a pretty bad issue um the art didn't bother me i think in the same way it bothered you i mean it i'm also not a huge fan of mikhail janine's artwork but I, i the nicest thing i can say about it is i found it inoffensive this time There were parts of it that were okay, and there were yeah. others that were not. It felt less stiff than it normally does to me, yeah, although like, it was still kind of stiff. Despite the visual of uh, pregnant Selena, like that, that um, <laughs> page looked all right. The fight scenes and yes. everything. The composition was there. The visual was still very ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. 
So thank you, Mikhail, for the decent compositions in this uh, Batman story that you penciled. Right. Uh, but next was uh, this one, the Catwoman of Earth by Jeff Parker mm-hmm. uh, and Jonathan Case. Uh, this one was really good. This is the Batman '66 team. Uh, that was a good oh, book. Yeah. And then it yeah got canceled, but. I put a smile on my face from the very first panel where Catwoman was like, I know Batman's out of town because he would be all over a science fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, I just it's thought that like, okay. Felony is taking place and yeah. all this business. So if you just told me that that one line of dialogue without any art, without any visual cue that this was Batman 66, I think that would actually be enough to clue me in because that is an extremely Adam West Batman thing for Batman to be into. Yeah, yeah, the Batman 66 series was really good um, Yeah I also really like this bit um, The UFO alert of all times And the UFO shows up And her henchman is like Boss, what if they're space cops? What if you shut up, Paul? <laughs> I liked it This was a good story Yeah, this is pretty good um, uh, There's There's some uh female empowerment stuff in here that does not necessarily feel like shoehorned in or something which i think is probably a very easy pit to fall into when you're telling a one shot in this kind of space like it everything about it felt natural and good and had it had a a decent flow to it yeah catwoman uh I like it kills some aliens with a ray gun yes and then uh the the female alien is the only one that's left and they're just like all right let's go fuck up the eiffel tower <laughs> yeah Take off this UFO Park me over the Louvre I'm gonna steal the uh, Mona Lisa Cause why not Batman's not here Yeah no he's not at the science fair I don't know where he is People should be concerned about that But they're not Uh but the... yeah, there's also a bit where like the uh, the people try to reward her by giving her all of their pearls and credit cards and and diamond rings and everything and she's just like uh, I don't like being given stuff I want to take it Yeah yeah, that was good too. Yeah. Uh, next up was a cat of nine tails, uh, written by, by many Le- hands. <laughs> written by Liam Sharp, which is interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen him writing anything before. Uh, also, art and colors, um, letters by Wes Abbott. This isn't the one I thought you were talking about. No, actually. I think this thing is this thing is real bad. Uh, the, the premise not good you can tell so this is a uh, catwoman's going to rob something she's confronted with a like a security guard and she's like okay there's i'm a cat get it there's nine ways th- that this can go down nine different lies and man would blow your fucking mind uh except also i don't have nine good ideas to fill these stories so like one of them's <laughs> you slipped and you bonked your head i actually like, like that one um yeah look liam sharp is an artist he's not a writer uh, I don't think he's even a good artist. I think the art in this is very, very, very bad. Okay. Uh, this. I do like his art, but there is something weird about this one. the The one panel where she's like um scratching, it's like a close up of her. That looks more like what he normally does. Some of the stuff. I don't, I don't know what was going on here. Rushed. Maybe. I mean, there are this, some panels that are just like basically the same thing copy pasted. This reminded me of Batman Odyssey in terms of the artwork, like 
there's yeah, some weird sort of quality to it that feels like this is a comic that like somebody made this in the early 2000s and then DC put it on a shelf until they had an anniversary issue and they needed a slot to fill so they pulled it off the shelf and they put it in the book I mean, like, part the of art it, in this is bad part of it is that I think Liam Sharp uh, he's better with more sort of out there stuff to draw like he's the one drawing the current Green Lantern series and he's great mm-hmm. um, but yeah this it does look strange um it's also only three pages so even he yeah, like, it, was just like man i don't know yeah. that's the thing if you're submitting a three-page story i also think like you should have put more time into the artwork man like that's not that much ground to cover i, I don't know remember. how busy he was but like i can't imagine that you're so busy you can't fucking buckle down and get three pages done like that's not a lot of work to me this feels like a fill-in like something else went through or something yeah maybe. i don't know like that could be the case but also like three pages ain't that much like just cut the story at that point yeah whatever yeah. like but yeah like besides that too i just i don't think the story itself is very good the premise is very basic i think that you know the angle that they're going at with you know oh, cats have nine lives is just fucking christ man like yeah i get it cats it's her whole thing but then again, like I, I feel that the he didn't have a good story for each of those nine lives. Like some of them just felt too similar. It was just like, oh, we fight and I do a little bit of damage to you, or we fight and I kill you, or we fight and you kill me. Like, all right, great, that you're yeah. a third of the way there, but uh anyway, next was Little Bird, uh story by Mindy Newell, art by Lee Garbett. Colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by Tom Napolitano. Hey, hey Tommy. Gabagoo. Uh, this was weird. I'm drawing a blank. What was this one again? This is the one about the Jewish, the um, yeah, the right, lady right, right. in the nursing home, and yeah, she was fam- the mezuzah. I, I don't. She had this object that was important to her. It was passed down through her family. And I guess she adopted Selena Kyle. Uh, and Selena, at some point, became so infatuated with this object that she stole it. Uh, and so this lady's in a nursing home, and she sees that it had been, like, it popped up in a flea market or something like that. And she has a complete break and ends up in a hospital bed. And there's no do not resuscitate order. So the doctors are getting in touch with the lawyers uh, that are, they, they manage her. Um, Oh god, there's a name for it that I'm totally blanking on right now. What the item? Illegal? No, there's a legal thing that you would uh, power of attorney is what oh, they have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're trying to. They're basically just trying to like pull the plug. Um, and then Selena in the background is kind of, I, I guess, going over the things that she had learned from this lady and is getting this item back to give to her on her deathbed. Um. But also, like, I got, I got kind of confused at first because I almost thought that the bits with the old lady was like a flash forward to Selena Kyle. Yeah, and, and I don't know why because I this that otherwise seems to take place around year one. Um, yes, but then there's also this very strange dream sequence later on with the Nazi guy. Oh right, yeah, the Nazi therapist. Yeah, and also Batman wearing a suit, and I—they went for something here. 
Uh, yeah, but I'm not sure they stuck the landing is the thing. Um, no. I do like the bit of Batman showing up uh, while she is an escort and then paying for her time to talk to her for a few minutes before being like, this is fucking pointless, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, so Jumping out a window. Yeah, keep the change. There's too many double entendres, I can't talk to you right now. Yeah. Batman's a good boy, how dare you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, this uh, this one I don't even know if I liked or disliked it. It was just so weird. Because yeah. I don't it was remember there bit... being sort of any connection between Selena and like any sort of Jewishness yeah. before. Like if you did this with Ben Grimm or something, like yeah, sure, it makes yeah. sense. Kitty Pride, you know why not? But I don't know. I don't know if I that actually aware... is a previous thing or if it was made yeah. up for this or what. I was not aware that she was adopted by anyone, necessarily. I thought that her thing was that she was in an orphanage and never got out of the orphanage and then just sort of ended up on the streets. Yeah, I guess it was supposed to be a foster home, but yeah, I, I don't oh, I don't yeah, remember I any of that. Cause there's, I mean, there's stuff about her protecting, like, an orphanage or a foster home, like, in the, um, and, like, No Easy Way Down and everything. Like, that, the whole arc with uh, Black Mask. Yeah. Like, was it, it, it establishes... Was it just about Holly? I thought it was mostly just well, about I think, it's, I think it's about both of them. I think they both came from the same place, is the thing. And she's trying to protect that orphanage, and then I want to see the orphanage yeah. burned down or blown up because of Black Mask, and that's what makes her go on this revenge spree. That um, sounds familiar. And since it is referencing year one, it would take place in that specific continuity, so the connection would, would, would be there. So I think it establishes this, but I don't know anything in particular specifically about this character, this woman who is raising her. I'm, um, I'm pretty sure this is just made up for this, which is yeah. a very strange thing to yeah, just come up is. with whole cloth. Um, but okay. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't, and like you, I don't know whether or not I enjoyed it. Um, the bit that was weird to me is actually that bit where Batman is talking to her while she's an escort, because like Catwoman's played around with double entendres and stuff like I, I get it she's supposed to be sort of like a seductress kind of character but also like straight up talking about being on her knees and everything is like kind of a little bit weird like yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. used to Catwoman being that blatant and on the nose about it the bit about like box and jewels also uh-huh yeah okay I'll show you my box if you show me your jewels is the <laughs> specific line from that yeah. um, like, uh, hey, look, man, this was early on in her career where she was still actually an escort, so maybe she was just a lot more, like, open about that kind of stuff. So I can I can kind of see it, but also eh, a little weird, considering that most of the Catwoman I, stuff I've read recently has been Tom King, where, um, you know, to reference that Tom King story, her the way she put it is being domesticated, like being taken in by Batman and kind of chilling out. Also, at the so same time, I, she wasn't even like that in year one, which was written by Frank Miller. So yeah, that is a very good point. <laughs> that Frank Miller would have actually had been way more explicit about it. Actually, yeah. Well, of course, and yet though, he wasn't. That was like within the pages of the regular Batman comic back then. Yeah, so that is I mean, true. It, yeah. Uh, next uh, up, no, it's it's weird. Next, it's weird. Born to Kiln. It's a good title. Uh. Anna. Written by Chuck Dixon, uh, penciled by Kelly Jones, inked by Danny Mickey, colored by Steve Olaf, and lettered by Tom, oh boy, Tom Orzachowski. Orzachowski, yeah, that looks like probably go, how you go, say it. 
Yeah, doing my uh, Tim Heidecker here. Tom or or Tom Tom's the cow. Tom's the cow. It's a fucking fake name on this card. Why would you give this to me to read? Uh, this one I like the story. I do not know why Kelly Jones drew Catwoman like um a lump of jelly in a purple trash bag. <laughs> This is very weird, especially the villain since was Clayface, so she needed to be needed to be just as malleable. Larry. I guess it's it looks weird. There's a lot of boob flop going on in the pages there's, of Born to Kill. There's a lot of everything going on here. Yeah, her face. Uh, it looks like a cartoon version of Maggie Gyllenhaal. Is yeah, where I kind okay. of fell with this a little bit. Yeah, there's a something like yeah, plump and yet malleable about the way the Catwoman looks in this thing. Uh, the, the physicality of her seems kind of all over the place. I mean, Kelly Jones, um, um, his specialty is drawing weird monsters and everything. So of course, like Clayface looks great yeah, here. And yes, I wanted to bring that up. The Clayface looks fantastic and very threatening in this. Uh, but Catwoman. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's really weird. There was a bit where uh, early on, when she's noticing that there is a, that Clayface may be afoot, uh, there is a, a guy on this boat who has a lump of clay on his head, and she's got some of it between her fingers and it's kind of sticking between them. Uh -huh. uh, I like that they pointed out that it was mud because uh, if I just saw that with no dialogue, I would have a lot of questions. Yep. Uh, when I first looked at that panel, I was like, wait, what? And then she said mud. So I was like, well, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I appreciate them pointing that out because it looked like that guy got poo pooed on. It just looked like a bunch of shit, much like the art in this chapter. <laughs> uh, I'd say art's overall good it's just that yeah, it's, yeah. herself yeah, like for whatever reason i don't know why he decided yeah. to go with this approach yes it, it is a very off model Catwoman. although i, mean, I, I like, like the rest of the art in it like i hate that costume anyway the jim ballant purple ca oh, costume yeah, it sucks one. um but uh yeah Catwoman's had a lot of bad costumes man Yes, There's does. another one appears in here that they poke fun of, which is like the second appearance of her where she just wore like a cat helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, long history of Catwoman not looking great. So actually, that's next up is uh, Conventional Wisdom. Uh, written I like by, this one. Yes, I did too. Written by Will Pfeiffer, uh, whose Catwoman run was pretty good. Uh, and this shocked me. Drawn by <laughs> Shut up. Drawn by Pia Guerra. Who, as far as I know, has not done any comics since Why the Last Man. Mm. So that was surprising to see. Uh, colors yeah. by John Kalis and letters by Steve Wands. Yeah, I really, one, uh, I like the art in this a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. me too. The Aguero is yeah. good, it turns out. Yeah, yes. Uh, what's the villain's Dr. Destiny? I think is the, yeah. the name of the villain in this. Right? Okay. Yeah, which is a skull guy in a cloak, and he can uh, fuck with mm -hmm. your dreams. And Big Shock, uh, Catwoman, is in a dream because she tried to steal a device of his, and the dream is just a convention that is uh, very meta about the Batman continuity. Well, no, it's not um, a dream. 
It's like the the device is oh, a yeah, reality a... altering thing. Yeah, so reality has in fact shifted around her. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a good bit where she's just signing autographs, and Bruce is there, and you get a a nice reference to Papa Spank. Um, yeah yeah it's uh the people in the cat head costumes are like we printed yeah. out this panel and yeah it's the uh quiet or papa spank one yeah uh, um that and i really like how it's just like a panel and two faces there and it's like i'm gonna flip a coin if you get the scar sign i just sign it but clean side and you get a sketch oh yeah i uh, like the idea that two-face is a sketch artist <laughs> Oh, yeah sure because like, this is actually like a talent that they never bring up that he can actually draw really fucking good yeah like, i'd be into that um but yeah the, there's a, a bit too where there's like questions and answer thing and i i like that they ask like hey why you know why was she in this costume this one time and then the uh like the person with the liaison for the comic book publisher is there just going like hey look editorial makes all these decisions next question <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, he specifically has the Jim Ballant costume on his shirt. Um, yeah. And then she also is, um, like, there was a person dressed as the 60s one, and it was like, you can't even move in that. Why would I wear that? Yeah. Uh, and then also yeah, and the them Batman also Returns one. Be- yeah, uh, them also being like, yeah, we're not a fan of the comic books, we just like the TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, there you go. There's your Gotham fuck freaks right there. I also like the... Um, when it gets really meta at the end where it's like yeah what about like the end of this storyline like in a couple of pages yeah. uh, i also just like dr destiny yelling about his device going like you stole that from me give it back very uh venture brothers villain like yeah yes uh, especially when she then breaks it and it is actually just a, a skull man instead of a man in a skull mask like mm-hmm. i'm not super familiar with dr destiny but i'm into his aesthetic I mean, he I kind like of just looks like Taskmaster. Yeah, I mean, Taskmaster looks pretty good, unless it's the Taskmaster from the movie, in which oh. case. Yeah. yeah, less said about that, mm. the better. Yeah, uh, it's fine. That movie is canceled, thanks to the coronavirus. Uh, next story, Addicted to Trouble, story by Ram V. Uh, art by Fernando Blanco, colors by FCO Placencia. These aren't anybody's real names. Uh, letters by Gabriella Downey. Oh, this Brando one's all right. is a very good non de plume. Uh, yeah, I like this right. one. Uh, I like this one a lot. Uh, this is Molly is uh, not talking. Uh, she's kind of in a, um, a very fugue. despondent state. Uh, yeah, she's mute. Uh, and so Catwoman is taking her. Fugue, not mute. Fugue. I'm sorry, I did not hear you too well. Uh, yeah, she's in a fugue state. Uh, so they they take her, or Catwoman takes her away from Gotham uh, and is ferrying her to the other side of the country. A uh, bit of a road trip, but uh, this gets to a point where she just gets into a huge fight in a bar, and that is actually kind of what shakes Molly out of this. Uh, but the thing that I really liked about this issue was her makeshift Catwoman costume that she put together yeah, to yeah. go rob a convenience store. That like, was pretty that's good. pretty good. Uh, I have an issue with this. Oh, no. Something I hate whenever comics do it. Uh, that okay. bit with the bar fight. Uh-huh. It is a two-page spread. You're supposed to read across the top first, but those first two, like, across the top, it is not one continuous panel, which means mm. whenever that happens, I will read the top of the left page and then go down 
you know, down that page and then realize, oh, this was supposed to go across, even though they're two separate panels. Which yeah. I hate. Don't don't do that. That's the comics horizontal 101. orientation. Yeah. It's, uh, uh... Bendis did that a lot in Powers, which would irritate me because he would have a series of panels, and I would be reading down the left page and then be like, oh, this was supposed to go across first. So what the the correct way to do that would be then if you if you want something to be read from top to bottom you you would do that on the left side and then the entire rest of the panel or the entire rest of the page would need to be consumed by a panel that is very clearly read from left to right correct I Does that make am I doing really. I'm doing a poor job of describing that I'm saying so if you look at the two the two page spread here it looks like here on the top of both pages, it should be one continuous panel across it. And actually, it is weird because I don't know if it's just gutter loss or anything, but it does look like it should be connected, except they're two separate images. Because you have Selena on one side, and then the other one is like from behind the guy with the bottle, and her standing up. Mm. Um, and yeah, if you wanted that to be read left or right, it would just be one continuous image. But anyway, that that's uh, a problem I have with comics. I like the art here, though. Uh, reminds me a lot of Cameron Stewart. Yeah. Who thankfully shows up uh, better than ever in the next one. But So I haven't read any of Ram V's at Women. He took over after Joelle Jones, uh, who originally was writing it and drawing it, and then stopped drawing it and then stopped writing it, because I guess she completely lost interest, which is too bad, because... I like Joel Jones quite a bit, um, yeah. but I did not read any of Ram V's. But this was pretty good, so I may check that out yeah. in trade. Yeah, this. Uh, I think it helps that the the next story being what it is and following this did definitely remind me of you know uh, No Easy Way Down, uh, which I've already referenced in this discussion, but. Uh, mm -hmm. That is a very good stretch of Catwoman stories, and so anything that Absolutely. reminds me of those is all right. Right, that was kind of the main selling point for me on this whole thing was they got Brew Baker and Stewart back to do a new story. Yep. And oh, which did, I guess did not disappoint. Uh, Cameron Stewart is yeah. somehow better than ever. Um, wish he did oh, more yeah. comics work. Yeah. So I guess uh, just getting right into that, like. Um, I, I was really glad to see that Brubaker and Stewart were back together. Uh, and and speaking of that artwork and looking better than ever, like there's a lot of very dynamic panel work in this where the the motion is conveyed just right. Like specifically that bit where she slams onto the wall and then runs on the wall while she's being shot at. Mm -hmm. Like the conveyance of motion there is perfect. Like it was really really good. Also, uh, the stuff too of Molly on the motorcycle and Catwoman kind of jumping across the buildings is excellent. I'll also say uh, credit to Stuart for doing the lettering, which does add a lot to it when it's not just you know someone typed it in Photoshop and put it in there yeah. or whatever. Um, especially the drawn sound effects, like when the uh, the car goes off and it's like the crash and the splosh and stuff in the water. Uh, very good. Yeah. Also, uh, Slam plus, Bradley. Yeah, I was about to say it's good to see Slam Bradley again. Yeah. 
Slam Bradley is great, and I wish there was more Slam Bradley in the comics. Also, the name Slam Bradley is very good, and I just like saying it. It is. Also, I just like how um, Stuart is dedicated to drawing him like in the Darwin Cook style, since he came from... Um... Actually, I don't know if he originated in Selena's big score, or if... It... He might be an older character than that, but that was definitely sort of what brought him into the mainstream. And so he doesn't quite fit with the rest of the characters as Stuart draws him, yeah. but he still like has that sort of angular look to him like Darwin Cook drew. Uh, I think artistically there is enough connective tissue there that it didn't feel out of place for me, but it is a very clear, like, it's it's definitely a mimicry of, of his style for that yeah. character. Uh, yeah, it, it's done in a way that's not discordant, but it is also very respectful of that style and that character design. The, the specific page I'm thinking of where that is probably the, the best highlighted is the one right before the last page where Selena has her mask off and uh, he's kind of admitting that, all right, well, he should have waited for Selena instead of going after the Joker himself. Like, mm -hmm. the, the three panels in the middle of that in particular... Uh, I think highlight the difference, but also show some good similarities that give the visual style a consistency to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, this was easily my favorite one out of this uh, this entire book. But honestly, again, considering the talent involved with it and the stuff that they've done with Catwoman in the past being very, very good, uh, that is not surprising at all to me. Yep, not surprising. Yeah. But overall, I would say, well, I guess I could just do the standard method of ranking this let me see which uh what ones i liked one three four five six i guess six out of ten well, there are nine stories though six out of nine so oh as as your uh as your score yeah six out of so nine. i guess i'd boost it to seven out of ten then uh, well i'd like to skin the cat uh did not like now you see me the movie or the story oh wait there um, are 10 stories that was uh yeah yeah i guess six out of ten although i'd say like the highs make it feel like it would be a higher ranking than that also have nine yeah, hills like, like a, barely counts anyway it 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 does yeah um I, i'd give it like a five out of ten like i think that this is a pretty even split for me between stories i like and stories that that just either or bad, or just kind of did not land well. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 in the middle. Uh, which, to be fair, I think is the best that you could hope for with these anniversary issues. Because so far, man. Ah. Well, we've still got uh, the Joker one coming up, and the Green oh, Lantern one, which uh... not a better time to be putting out a Joker book right now. Yeah. Get Joker fied, Larry. I'm already Joker. You're catching up. Do a do a Joker story where you draw the Joker for one of them as Greg Turkington and Joker makeup. That'd be good. I'd read that. I'd pay money for that. I'd that's, get that physically. That's how DC finally gets their million selling book. That's right. Oh God. Well. Oh, okay. I don't know. I do think I, I think that I probably enjoyed the Catwoman one the most out of these anniversary issues so far, though. But I think that is also like, I don't know. You brought Brew Baker and Stewart back. Mm -hmm. It's real good. That saved it. 
save the whole thing, this whole experiment with anniversary issues, it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I like the Flash one well enough. Yeah. Even though uh, that whole bit with Wally West is completely irrelevant now, since uh, the <laughs> generation thing seems to have been scuttled uh, through the combination yeah. of Didio leaving and then the virus and everything else is just like that. That's none of that's happening anymore. They dropped that storyline like they dropped Diamond. Wow. Uh. <laughs> well. I think that's about it. Comic books, video games. That's a podcast, right? Technically, yeah. Yeah, now it's just time to get some of your teeth ripped out of your head. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, then you can call it a week. I'm over here playing Donkey Kong 64. You're getting your teeth removed. <laughs> I've, I don't envy you. <laughs> Thank you got you. the wor- you got worst end of this deal. That's right. I wish my teeth were ripped out of my head and I was drugged up to play that game. Mm-hmm. Put a little whiskey in my coffee this morning because I know that as soon as I'm done with this, I gotta go back to the Donkey Kong mines. I mean, you don't have to. Uh, no, You're I doing this to, to yourself. I know. Most people would slit their wrists for attention, but instead, I play Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> Somebody, please pay attention to me. I need help. You done? Yeah. But Donkey Kong? No, I'm never done with that. No. In this. Podcast? Yes. I'm finished with the podcast. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Thank you. Knocking, comes in knocking.